Thank you so much for having me over again. I came here in 2019 with a young student called Tushar. And uh, he was greatly blessed in this church. He learned a new song, Waymaker. And he's not a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. And nowadays I'm so scared to call which person is a Christian. And I feel we all are on a journey. And somewhere along the line, something happens. He held on to the song for three years. And everywhere I traveled with him in the year 2019, he used to hum that song. And he used to sing it in the morning. And in Northern Ireland, when we were there in the church, he said suddenly to me, uh, in a gathering like this, he said, I want to sing the song. I said, what? You want to sing the song? He said, yeah, and he sang that song. Fantastic. Thank you for, for, there was something very special that happened that day here. And from then on, in my personal life, I've been only striving. There are a few words that God speaks to you. I don't say that God speaks to me all the time. But I have impressions and things that touch you, that you know what you need to cling on to. I had a massive heart attack in January 15th last year. I was in the States and I nearly died. But God saved me. I was fine. I was rescued in a few minutes. I was in the hospital and the stent was placed in an hour's time and I was all okay. And But in that space of, of rehab, you don't hear much, but there's a peace, there's a calmness. And one thing that I held on, that I felt that God was speaking to me over and over again, is to live out your life, your God-created identity. There's a DNA in us that belongs to Him and that is shared with us. And that is to live generously and graciously towards others. So whenever I would read, I would be stuck in Matthew chapter 5. And I would not be able to go further than that, to live generously and to live graciously. So I want to talk about that this morning. A generous life values all life. When I'm saying being generous, please don't think I'm asking for your money. It's not always about money. Like I told you, the richest man is the poor man. I learned this. A generous life values all life, shares stories, and builds communities amongst God's beloved children. A generous life is a continuous act of love, solidarity, and dedication towards others. It is a pause. Sometimes we need to pause in life to offer to others and bless them through our actions. Generosity comes from a very thankful heart to God, which recognizes the need of those in, in life and those around you. It actually invites you to look around and model Jesus' lifestyle of walking with intentions in your heart, knowing that he would find human beings whom you would heal and support and be with them. It's a love, it, generosity is love that covers, nourishes and heals. And that's what we have been doing in Asher. During the pandemic, we were totally cut off. 2020. And those three years that we went through, it was, we learned to be generous and we learned to be gracious. 
You know, in elementary school, we learn of critically endangered species. And I was going to show some slides to the kids here, but we had done it in a different way. And I think apart from those animals which are so critically endangered, are going to die, and we do everything in our power to see that they are, they don't become extinct. As something that is also very greatly endangered is to be gracious. The character of being, of graciousness, that sometimes is so much lacking and is desperately needed in this present world. We're living in such a tough time. It's a fractured world. Go to America, you will see. Go to Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, and come on to our King Jong Jong up in Korea. In all these places, it's such a polarized place. And what is our call? And how do we, how do, how do we react to such situations? The chatter that we have on Twitter, the chatter that we have on Instagrams and Facebooks, and all fake news and good news and bad news and everything that's going on. How are you going to be gracious? How are you really going to? That's a big challenge for the church. The church is the voice of graciousness, is the voice of generosity, is the actions that we do. How are we going to react to such situations? Are we going to be right or left or center? What are we going to do? I think what we need, the challenge for us is, is to be exactly the way God wants us to be, is to live and let love flow in us. I want to read Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And it's such a powerful, powerful verses here. It says, Love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice and know, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with them who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate yourself with the lowly, do not claim to be wise than you are, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thoughts for what is noble in the sight of all, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This references to love, to humble, faithful services, and to peaceful living and actions towards people around us is extremely high calling. It is very difficult to practice it. It is so easy to stand here and preach it. It is so easy to say every day, oh, what a lovely revelation I had. God spoke to me. Try practicing. You leave this place. There's every chance you may not be gracious to your friend. You may be, you may say something that may hurt somebody. What is it that causes us to be like this? But I feel in our heart and in in the ministry of Asha in the slums of Delhi is 
The mystery of grace in this life is the one that God has called us is to love. Jesus reminds us that it is impossible for us and in ourselves to do it, but it is possible with God's help. We can do it. So I want to share you and show with you a few shots of what's been happening in New Delhi. So let's go back to the slums now. Let's leave this beautiful holy place. Let's leave the sanctuary and go to the place where Jesus probably would have been walking and is walking presently, touching them, healing them, and being with them every minute. COVID and post-COVID. In 2017-16 onwards, Kiran started value education in the slums and talking from Matthew Matthews 5, 6, 7. And she took out all those values and began to practice it in the slums basically because we were not able to openly preach the gospel in the slums anymore. It became a little tight, difficult, uncomfortable, challenging for us and we thought we were going to do it in a different way. And in the whole process, we, we continue to sow. Then the Bible says, what you sow, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. And we sowed them so well. And it was practiced in the slum communities. When COVID broke out, some of our staff were not willing to come to the office. They were so scared. I was the first one with Kiran to do it. And along came with my pharmacist. And then suddenly people started to join. And we realized we had 300, 300 young men and women from the slum community, boys and girls in the age group of 18 to 22, who came forward and said, we're going to help you. These are them. Going in the community, serving them without any fear. And not a single one of them got COVID. Nothing happened to them. There was such divine protection on the life, even during the second wave. And as they served the community and worked in the community, reached out to the elderly folks, the extremely poor people who had not, nothing with them, they were agents of great change. Today, our infant mortality rate in the slums of Asha is only 13 Compared to the nationwide, it is 26.9. And it's all because of people like them who work, go into the, go giving uh, postnatal care right in the community and touching their lives and helping them, listening to their stories. Absolutely delightful picture when I saw this. A child being weighed, so happy. The mother is afraid that she's going to fall off the scales. I bet she won't because she's well balanced now. She's a healthy kid and kids are looked after so well. Vitamin D is given regularly to our children and they are healthy. And the, and the community is so prosperous. At the same time, we have now started moving out into those areas where we don't have buildings. And we are hoping to buy ambulances and reach out to these communities and help them establish themselves and feeding them. We never did this. We never did this. We never gave food. We used to give them other stuff. Post-COVID, there was no money. They had nothing. And then we began to do extensive relief work 
in our communities. And in places like the riverbed, which was completely flooded a few months ago, we even started giving them cooked food. And we would cook it in our different centers and take it and give them. And it was not just, you know, plopping it on the on the on their plate, but there was a lot of love. And people respected that. They came, they were happy that Asha was there to look after them, especially after COVID, we realized people in the age group of 70 and above were left to languish in the slum colonies. Some of the people had gone right away to the villages and they were alone. So Asha was taking care of the elderly. So we meet like this. Kiran meets like this in groups and batches of young boys and girls in our community. And we sit and talk. Or we have a big meal together. We sit and talk and we listen to them. And as we share our hearts with them, something beautiful always happens. And they come out with great ideas. We have 65 volunteers today from the, that 300 who are now working with us. And they are the ones taking the classes. They are the ones teaching the community. They are the ones preparing young boys and girls to go ahead for in the schooling and walking into the lanes and explaining because when the people hear from them, it transforms them a lot. It helps them to take decisions. These are young people. And out of the 65, we employed 26 of them into ASHA as full-time workers. They were interns with us for a year, but now we've taken them as our, as our people and we pay them a good salary they are very happy. They work. They share. They bring in a lot of value to Asha. They teach us all the time. The tables have turned. Now, the pastor is not teaching. The people are teaching the pastors. And that's what's happening in Asha. They're teaching us. And we're listening. Because every time they say something, we say, Ooh, we missed that. We need to do that in, in Asha. And this girl is getting ready to get into higher education. She comes from a Muslim background. She's done her master's. She's probably going to get into a master's program in Sydney soon, but she's a great teacher. And we have established internet clubs in about seven places in Asia, high-speed internet. And they come, they Google, they study, study, study. And they want to become something in life. And we are hoping to expand this program in other areas. The first girl first girl who went to Queensland in Australia, a full scholarship, her name is Moini, comes from a very poor background. Her father is a painter, never gets jobs so much, but life's completely changed for her. And she was helped by lots of friends here who were teaching her in her IELTS classes, and she did so well. And today she is already done one semester. This boy was supposed to travel with me last year, but he couldn't make it simply because he made a mistake in his visa application form. and But he stayed back, studied hard. He's now doing his master's in, in Sydney in political science. Tushar, you remember the boy who was here? 2019? And has he held to what God had spoken to him that day? I was traveling with him and I was in Montrose. And he was sitting in a very luxury 
leather upholstered chair. And the moment I looked at him sitting in that pose, I heard something. And I said, Dr. Joshi. When he laughed, he said, me? Dr. Joshi? I said, Dr. Joshi. That's all I felt, nothing else. No vibrations, no handshakes, nothing. Just a simple warning. And true to what happened for all these years, he did his master's in Sydney. He's come back to Delhi now, but he's going in January. He's got a full paid scholarship to do his PhD. Fantastic. And he sinks it all the time. Waymaker. Forest keeper. My God. You can't break that. That is powerful. One word. One soul. Can change you. As a rhema. That's what we hold on to sometimes. However, God is saying, live out that identity. Live generously and live graciously. So that's Tushar. The boy in the center is Chandan. I'm sorry, he's Dr. Chandan now. He's in his second year of doing his PhD in mathematics in Melbourne. He's the youngest evening scholar in India. He was only 22 when he got the scholarship from the British High Commission. He was sitting with a group of people who were all army officers and naval officers who wanted the scholarship to come and study in England to do their masters, but he won it. He did his masters in Imperial College, in maths, in topology, came back to India, applied for a PhD scholarship, and he is in Melbourne there, and he is doing so, so well. Brilliant fellow. And God has touched him in a very deep way. Comes from an extremely poor family, but a desire to help the people in his community. And that's Sumit. He's also in Sydney, and he's in his second semester doing his master's. In all total, we have eight students who have gone to do their studies abroad. It started with only 26 in 2008. We put about 4,000 kids into higher education, and the Lord has really blessed us. That's the boy. When he couldn't make it last year with me, he was so disappointed, but the British High Commissioner, present British High Commissioner, he said, you come along with me, I'll mentor you. I want you to come with me. So he would go to the British High Commission every alternate days in the evening, and the British High Commissioner would sit with him, and they would be friends and talking. I just imagine him and him from one boy from the slum community, one a diplomat of the highest order in India. You don't get a chance to even get into the British High Commission if you don't have a pass. The pass got to be signed by hundreds of people. But he goes in and sits there in his home. That's royal treatment. Fantastic. The boy is doing extremely well. And so many internship programs offered to our kids. And so many job placements. And they are learning to give back. This is the paid forward program, which I want to talk a little bit in Asha. All our elderly folks are being taken care of by our young ones. They make visits like this, even comb their hair and look after them, sometimes even cook for them. And that is the spirit of graciousness, which I picked up from them. They see us doing it, and now they say, we want to do it. 
You don't have to do it. We'll do it. And they go to the community. Just imagine getting your hair combed. When did somebody last comb your hair? Nobody does that here. You do it yourself. Coffee, make it yourself. Breakfast, make it yourself. Lunch, go and pack your sandwich. You know, come and help me how to do it. It's self-help. Back home, our children have learnt with us and we have learnt with them to serve the community like this. And people are so gracious and so happy. And feet washing, the most difficult thing to do in Asha. Why? Because you have a class system. It's so difficult to wash the feet of the man or a woman who is the lowest in the class, who cleans toilets. You don't want to wash his feet. It's dirty. But we started doing this. Kiran started doing it. The first time it happened, it happened in our home. And she didn't tell me. She's a very brave woman. And she really surprises me and sometimes even shocks me. And I'm very scared to be with her sometimes. I don't know what she'll ask me to do, which will put me out of my comfort zone. And uh, she said, uh, we had a big party and we had so many poor people from our slum community with us. And we were sitting and eating, uh, having a meal. And after a meal, she said, we're going to wash their feet, Freddy. And I want you to wash this man's feet. I said, oh, too much pride. I realized how a proud man I am. You know, it's all acting. We can we are such fantastic actors in churches. We're great actors. I realized I'm such a proud man. But that day when I knelt down and washed that man's feet, I tried to straighten his leg. I couldn't straighten his leg because I realized later that he was actually paralyzed. He couldn't move. And I washed his feet and something happened from happened deep here. In my heart. I cannot understand. I cannot place it. I don't know what it is. I'm still discovering. So when he was walking, I said, you really need a, a wheelchair. And he said, yeah, but with a motor. With a twinkle in his eye, he said, with a motor. So I said, why not? We will give it to you. We will ensure that you get a wheelchair with a motor. And like that, when they can ask boldly from us and say that this is what they need. Feet washing is very common. The young people do it in their in, in the community. At the last shot, he's a member of the legislative assembly and his feet was washed by one of our boys. He was shocked. He's a politician. He was shocked. He couldn't believe it. But he's become our greatest friend today. I leave you with two things before I before I close. I know I told her that when you, and I'm getting over it, please wave your hand. It's the Love and Lunch program. It used to be called the geriatric program, but now we call it the Love and Lunch. We get them in groups and they come and have a lunch with us every day. So nobody goes hungry in our community. If you are over the age of 70 and above, you cannot go hungry. You get one good meal. I'll leave you with two things. Fight for people who are treated worthless for being there with them. Just fight for them. And take on that unconditional love that God has given you. Right? Agape love, agape, agape God, agape your neighbor. It's unconditional. There's no conditions in it. 
I don't care whether you hate me for taking two minutes more, but I still love you. I still love you. You're the greatest. You're the one. Why not? That is God for us. And that's what Asha is doing. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. You've been very kind and generous and supported us many, many times, especially during COVID times. We're so grateful. We're in the process of expanding. And I would say, if you ever get the time, come over. Wash the feet of the poor and make you very, very rich. It'll make you very rich. Bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stay up, stay up, stay up here. We want to pray for you. Would anybody like to gather around and pray for Freddie for the things that he's been talking about? I feel very inspired. You would like to come up? Father, we want to thank you for these friends of River. Thank you for the years of coming to us and sharing your stories. Thank you for the gift of allowing my daughter, age 18, to come out and experience. Um, that was 12 years ago now. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you give. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just fill Freddie afresh with your Holy Spirit, so that he and Kieran would just have that perseverance. Thank you so much for the compassion we've heard from this man this morning. The compassion for those around him, the com commitment to continuing through health issues and all sorts. So we pray a, a massive blessing on this man and the family he represents and the work that you represent. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, Father, I wanted to thank Freddie for reminding us here all in Marlow how lucky are we, how much should we be doing. And Father, just how gracious was Freddie the way he put it to us and how he reminded us. And um, yeah, I feel that's the Spirit speaking through Freddie today. That was a really important thing for me and I hope for you. And Father, just thank you for Freddie and the whole team. What a blessing they are to Delhi, and I just um, pray good health and blessings over them as they go forward. Amen. Father, we pray for an increase of you in his life. Father, as he travels around, it can be taxing at times. But Holy Spirit, come and just strengthen him, strengthen his frame, Father, where physically it can sometimes be tough. We just pray for complete and total healing and restoration and your compassion upon this man may increase. We pray for an increase, Father. We pray for an increase in the ministry. We pray for an increase in him. Holy Spirit, come and rest on him, we pray. Amen. Yes, Father, thank you for uh, Freddie, and thank you for his miraculous recovery from his heart attack last year. He looks as fit as a fiddle. That's amazing. Oh, I second that. And I uh, just want to pray three Ps. Provision, protection, and answer to prayer. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Freddie. Real inspiration. Okay.